everybody. This is Keith Rainwater with the Designated Drummer Podcast, and hope everybody's having a good week. So uh, this week, I am in our management office, and I'm talking to our manager, Corey Wagner. How's it going, Corey? Excellent, Keach. I thank you for coming in and uh, inviting me to I'm, your world. I'm not stopping you from doing any, making any big deals, am I, or anything? It's, yeah, well, we but, lost a lot of money sitting here <laughs> by uh, me talking about uh, myself, but you uh, had a big we'll, deal we'll get going it back. until I walked in, right? <laughs> so um, I have been wanting to have you on my podcast for a long time, but I know you're really busy and it's i remember the first time we talked was when covid was going on and i couldn't even get in the building oh yeah right <laughs> remember yeah. That? well i wasn't allowed to leave my house <laughs> i know so right because it, it was uh... like well if you come in then you'll have to be asked you know this thing and only certain people that work here are allowed to come in the building and that kind of thing so here we are yes we're post free covid and all that so um uh, i had a question from a friend recently and a listener and she said that her son is turning 18 and he is interested in the music business and wants to get into the music business, but he doesn't really play an instrument, and he, he's not a musician. But he's interested in the music business. And she said, what's your advice? And I, my first thought was, um, my advice is become a manager, because why would you say that is? Well, from listen, your personal standpoint, the poor guy. Okay, so uh, <laughs> we'll try to help him through it and get through. But uh, you know, I, I think it's good advice because as a manager, we see all sides of the business, right? Um, and you go out there, so you see the publishing side, you see the touring side, you see the contract side, you see the merchandise side. So we do have to be experts in in a, a number of fields um, to get involved. But I would say that you know. Somebody should start because I back up, but we eat what we kill. Okay, okay. so if we don't generate any money, we can't commission. A manager's commission yep. based for ninety nine percent of managers. So they right? go out and they're they're fishermen. They go out, they put the bait out, they 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 try to they try to catch fish, and the more fish you catch, the more. That that's correct. Yeah. Uh, however, but a young man or woman that's trying to get into the business, I would encourage them, you know, to get involved with the company, right? To start to learn and cut your teeth a little bit to figure out what's happening. A company meaning um, a management company. Like yeah, a, a management company, publishing company, just someplace within the business to start to yeah. get a foothold on it. Okay, because again, without experience or anything, it's tough to to break through that. Would you call that an intern, or would you call that a? Well, there are like intern. I have day-to-day uh, person. Yeah, no, there, there's day to day. It'd be tough because you have to know kind of what's happening, right? right? right and you right. have to know what decisions to make or not to make. A big part of management is making decisions every day. And look, at, hopefully we have a pretty good um, you know, success rate, uh, but some of them are the wrong decisions, uh, and which is okay. You learn from them and you figure yeah. it out. And believe me, I've made almost all those mistakes early in my career, right? Yeah. So you start there. But in today's world, it's much easier for these kids because there are college programs now that are about business in the music business. Right. Yeah. So you go to Belmont, there is music management um, major. Right. So there are formal ways of learning these things. You know, back in the day when I started, I was working where well, I was in college just doing entertainment um, committee. So I'd bring, you know, national touring acts to our college and oh, okay. we would put those local shows on. Right. And, you know, we got to touch the uh, international touring artists for a minute and feel <laughs> like you really had something to, you know, in the business. But then I slowly worked with like local bands and just doing what we call a regional rollout. This was pre-Spotify and all those other oh, yeah, sides right, of things. Of and, you know, find local radio 
radio stations within a hundred mile radius and clubs and, you know, try to get the bands out there touring and going around there. So it was very difficult. It was, you know, you learned on the fly basically with it. But now there's more formal education that are available to the students. One book that I will recommend, Donald Passman's Everything You Need to Know in the Music Business. I have that book. You have to have it. It is written very well by by one of the best attorneys in the business, okay, Donald Passman, an incredible man uh, on top of it. But it's written well that if you're in respect to you, Keats, an artist, you can skip all the fuddy-duddy, like, um, you know, legalese terminology and still get through it and still have a pretty good working knowledge of it. Um, But that, I, I would just strongly suggest anybody that wants to get into the business, that gives you the fundamental, pardon me, understanding of the the spider web that is our business. Yeah, right. Yeah. So back to your beginnings, and I'm just interested in you, you as a professional mm-hmm. person and everything. Um, you started out. Uh, what did you What did you do when you first got out of college, or what, did you get right <laughs> into the management, or did you do something before that? Yeah. Well, I have a, uh, two degrees. Uh, I graduated with a healthcare administration and marketing degrees. Okay. So I worked at a psych hospital. Um, and you I, used to live in California, didn't you? So right. I did. I did a 16 year penance in Los Angeles, <laughs> <laughs> is what I say. But I graduated for that. So I would. would work overnights in um, psychiatric hospitals okay and then during the day I would go in and try to uh, I got a job making $250 a week um, living in LA and working as um, and I'm doing air quotes uh, assistant um, for a guy that wasn't really ready to pay somebody to be on board but I saw that he needed somebody and then ultimately I got a job as a driver on a tour I had two college degrees and uh, I was driving a van on a uh, tour that was like the satellite driver Um, and instead of sleeping when all the other drivers a tour meaning like what like a music tour yeah it was um, it was Fleetwood Mac Bad Company and um, Ario Speedwagon wow what what year was it what would this have been oh god you're killing me Uh, 80s probably no no geez uh, give me a little bit of (laughs) Uh, So that was about 94. Oh, 94. Yeah, 95. Um, But instead of sleeping while the the, the drivers were sleeping, I learned how, like, to pack the stage, how to, you know, do ticket um, blocks for, you know, the the guest lists, how to, like, so I slowly just learned bits and pieces. Now, how did you get into, how did you get uh, into that driving position? Did you just know somebody or did somebody? So I was, well, um, sorry to go back, but when I moved from Pennsylvania, to Los Angeles to start my career. I traveled the country living in a tent for nine months. You did. That's so and cool. So oh. I just, you know, if I'd run into Keach, he'd be like, "Oh no, you have to go, you know, 200 miles back the other way. There's this beautiful <laughs> thing to check out, or you know, this national park." Oh, and I'd right. be like, "Oh, awesome!" And you know, I, I packed my. I was dumb enough to think I could pull it off, and uh, you know, I had my little journal and traveled the world. And I happened to meet somebody that was a tour manager. That's so. Cool. And we stayed in touch, and um, you know, this was pre cell phone era just, and stuff I'm like sorry, that. I'm sorry, Corey. So. I cannot picture you as a as a hitchhiker, as a backpacker, you know? Yeah, no, no. I had my so... Honda. No, I had my Honda Accord. It <laughs> oh, was right, packed okay. with everything in it. A and, free spirit. Uh, I'll yeah. say that because you're so, you're your office and you're very businesslike and everything. I'm a Gemini. <laughs> I can go both sides, okay? so That's what I love about you, Corey. You're, you're such a free spirit. Yeah. But, but yeah, so that's how I started. I met this guy, um, AK, uh, who was a front of house guy for um, Smokey Robinson. Oh. And he ended up doing this Fleetwood Mac tour that he was front of house um, and uh, I just every now and again I would blow a call and see if I can catch him at his house or so yeah. it was just a timing thing and uh, at that point and I know these are all random connections but 
I was selling cars in Colorado because I was running low on money. Okay. Thanks. And I was like, I got to re- I can sell anything if I need to. <laughs> so I, I conned the guy into thinking that I sold cars before and I was making a great living, you know, selling cars. And I got this opportunity to be a driver. And I walked into the uh, dealership. I said, listen, this is my two hour notice and uh, I'm heading to L.A. <laughs> and uh, that, that was my first uh, my first stab at it, if you yeah. will. So, so you're you're doing you, you were driving uh, as a satellite driver and you it, were doing this thing and then sort of learning picking up little bits uh, along yeah. the way about business just trying to pick people's brains figure out and the one thing I didn't realize um, that was a, a first mistake if you will mm-hmm. in, in trying to move forward I thought wow I did a really great job you know the the, the manager of Fleetwood Mac was like man who is this guy he you know like he's helping the artist he's helping he's some driver what is happening and the tour ended and I was like excellent what's next and they're like well see ya here's a little bonus money and uh, good luck moving forward I didn't realize as a person on the road you have to have additional tours lined up you have to have because right. Fleetwood yeah. Mac shut down for the next six or eight months so there was no job I see and yeah. I was like oh my gosh and that's when I went back to my experience in the, in the psych world and I was working at a gang reform um, house oh, wow. so these kids that they were trying to uh, uh, reform Pardon me. Um, so these kids, <laughs> busy that w- manager, cell phone ringing. Yeah, I, I did turn it off to anybody <laughs> no. else, uh, but um, but yeah. So uh, uh, and then that's when I was like, oh my gosh, and I became what I called a very polite pain in the ass to Fleetwood <laughs> Mac's manager, and would just check in every yeah. like two weeks. Hey, just anything happening? Anything going on? Anything? And the woman that was working with him happened to give her notice, uh, and so I was able to start as his. Assistant, bodyguard, babysitter, yeah, uh, you know, right. you name it. Just get so it done, figure it out. So you just kept chipping away and chipping away and ch- following up. And yeah. so following up is a huge That's- plus. I mean, you just if you follow up enough, someone's going to go, okay, come on in. Well, <laughs> Absolutely. And it was great training for the business because, Keech, as you know, I get... Th- 30 no's to one yes. Right, right. Right, so, and it, and it's disheartening because, you know, my acts, I mean, it's in, it's easy with Lone Star with the success that they've had, but, you know, I believe in my artist. I believe in the acts and what's out there. And, you know, I have a vision. I have a belief and know what we can achieve as a team, right? Because there's only so much, if I don't have the artist and the music and those sides of things, I have nothing, right? right. So as a team, we have to work together on it, but... So many people are like, oh no, but that's not the time right, or this is yeah. it. When I know we can cross the finish line, but yeah. other people are programmed for it. just you no. Be a good salesman, don't you? Absolutely, yeah, yeah. And, and relentless. Because think about all the yeah. other bands uh, that are there trying to get the same thing to happen. So how yeah. do I push us to the front of the class? Yeah, you know, one, one aspect about management, when we first got into Lone Star, when we first got a record deal and things like that, is our, our manager, Bill Carter at the time, how he could just pick up the phone, call Joe Galani like that, you know? I, I just thought that was so cool, you know, that it's they had relationships for so long, and, and it was just like, hey, what's up? What's up, you know, Bill? No, no, that's... And, and listen, here's a little uh, pearl of wisdom for the team out there, right? Yeah. So relationships are key. Right. And because clients come and go, right? Whether they retire, whether a relationship just runs its course, yeah. right? Or whether somebody does a terrible job for them, or, you know, who knows? There's all yeah. different reasons why things change, but the relationships are what's there, yeah. okay? And that's what sustains me coming in 30 years of managing acts, okay? Yeah. But the important part is, and somebody shared this with me, um, and I've got daughters, uh, so I try to give them that same, you know, little bit of knowledge here and there, but they said, if you you hang out with five people 
that make an okay living and just kind of fly by, you'll become the sixth person. Yeah, I see. If you hang out with five millionaires that are focused, that are really, really have a plan of action, more likely than not, you'll become that six millionaire. Yeah. So those relationships, who you're hanging out with and who you're associating with really turn into something positive or negative. So know Dang, who you're I'm rolling with. hanging out with the right people. Yeah, see? <laughs> I need to hang out with more millionaires. <laughs> no, but it's true. But you hung out with artists, with musicians. Yeah. Musicians, drummers. Right? Yeah. And, but that was your lane. Right. And you hung out with the right artists and musicians because they were very talented, like yourself. They were yeah. very driven. They had a focus. You could have been with one of these bar band guys that were just smoking weed, drinking, yeah. and like trying to right. pick up chicks, right? Or, or guys, depending if you're a guy or a girl in the industry. Yeah. Right? right. But you you saddled your horse with a group of people that were going to be successful. So so again, you did exactly what I said, but in an artistic yeah. related right. environment. Yeah. You does know, that one make thing sense? I noticed. Yeah, it does. Um, one thing I noticed years and years ago when I was talking to this guy, um, he was a guitar player. And this was before uh, I was in Canyon and all that stuff. I was just kind of coming along in the 80s and trying to get be a better drummer. And I noticed this, this guitar player that I met was this fantastic guitar player. He played like flamingo guitar. He could do these licks. That I just couldn't believe what he was playing. But you know what? He was playing in a weekend band only, only playing on the weekends, making 50 bucks a night or whatever. And this guy was, in my mind, he was a star. I mean, he had the, like the long, dark hair. He could play guitar just like it was part of his body. And I thought, you, my friend, are not in the right situation. And so it made me think, like, you are only worth what you're willing to accept. Right? Absolutely. Well put. If Because he was willing to just settle into that little weekend band. I said, you know, who are you playing with? Oh, I'm playing with this band. We're playing this little VFW hall or whatever, you know. And uh, I said, we're doing pretty good. And I'm just thinking, like, dude, you're in the wrong you need to think bigger, <laughs> you know. Well, but no, but that's a, a very good point because it's another thing when I talk to artists because sometimes you run into people that come from very wealthy family, yeah, right, and and the kid uh, is a very good artist and they have a lot of talent out there. But one of the first questions I run into with a young act or, or you know if there's somebody that's trying to get in here, what's your plan B? What are you going to do? This is yeah. a tough business, and the minute somebody has a plan B, I'm out. Yeah, right. Because I don't, I have no plan B. Yeah. This is how yeah. I eat. This is how my kids go to school. This is now, so. Isn't that one of the passages in the the, the Ronald Passman book? Is, is it, it, I'm sure, the, yeah. It, it said, don't have a fallback. Yeah. If you have a fallback, you're just going to fall back on it. And, right. And you're just, that's what you're going to end up doing. If you don't have a fallback, you is sort of forced into, okay, how am I going to work this problem out? How do I, you know, do this for a living, making music for a living? Yep. No, so you're hundred percent right. Yeah. 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 And listen, anybody that thinks they're not going to make mistakes is just right. unrealistic. Uh, okay. So, uh, that's another part that I would just like to, to tell the younger audience, be fearless. Yeah. If you repeat the mistakes, then there's a different conversation that we're going to need to have. Okay. You have to learn from your mistakes. Right, right. But but get out there, push the limits, and and try, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, um, 
So you, when did you start uh, like actual being a manager? Like what, what was the first <laughs> well, it's a, time get... that you sort of made the switch to, okay, I am a full on manager or did you, did right. you have an opportunity to so, manage it? No, no, it's a, there's a, a very uh, um, specific moment in, in my career. So I was doing day to day managing the office. It was just um, the, the general Carl Stubner, who is currently the chairman of our company that I still work with. Carl yeah. and I have been together almost 30 years. Yeah, so okay. the guy that I first started out with, uh, you know, as his assistant, et cetera, as I said earlier, I was running the office, I was doing day to day, I was doing everything we could. And we were out, okay, we got to try to figure out how do we get more clients? How do we get more people on board? Well, we're meeting with attorneys, business managers, and you know other people that, that have access to artists. And one of the business managers called me and said, hey, I've got a client that's looking for management. I said, well, great, you know, who is it? It's a band called House of Pain. House of Pain was a, uh, a white rap artist, okay, band, Jump Around. That's their big song. It's, it's like one of the most, um, you know, every any sporting event you've been to, they hear Jump Around, that's their song. Okay, so I was like, great, it's a platinum act. We, they tour, they make money, right? So yeah. we can go out and uh, do dates. We put a new record out. We released that record. We had the record release party. This was back in the day when we were selling CDs, you know, and there was yeah, big right. money everywhere going around. And they broke up on stage during the record release party, <laughs> which flowed out into the parking lot to a full-on riot. Like, like fight it's it's the hip-hop world oh my god right so yeah as that was going down we safely made it back home and got through licked our wounds and put a little ice on and you know it was <laughs> like okay let's get through this and the lead guy called everlast everlast was the guy that wrote the songs right so he wrote all the lyrics he was kind of a visionary of who it was and what went on and and dj lethal was the producer of it but i held on to a guy called everlast so he's like, so what are we going to do? What do I do now? My band's broken up. I don't have anything. And I said, look, let's go with your producer, who's Dante Ross in New York. Fly back to New York, set up in the studio, start writing. Let, let's see where we go, you know, start putting some stuff down. So funny enough, and, and this is pre-Spotify or MP3 days sure, or yeah. that kind of stuff. Okay, Back so, in the old C golden age of CDs. Yeah. So um, he calls me and, and I'm sitting in the studio actually with McFleetwood at the time. And uh -huh. he calls and says, hey, listen, we sent the FedEx out to you with some songs. Tell us what you think. Well, the CD came. I threw it on. And it was a song called What It's Like. I was blown away. I thought they found somebody. And I was like, who is this? Who's this kid that you found? Because it was acoustic guitar. It was, you know, and this guy's a rap artist, okay? Yeah, so right. I'm like, oh my God, this is incredible. And he goes, why? Do you like it? Do you not like it? What's up? And I'm like, it's incredible. This, this is like a, a bonafide smash. And, and and again, I say that none of us really know unless there's that, that fairy sure, dust from yeah. above that makes it, but it and was an incredible song. Yeah, it, right? incredible song. He's like, it's me. I'm like, oh my God, this is incredible. So fast forward, he's tied to a, a hip hop label. And the way you market a hip hop record is it's all front loaded back in the day, right? So you would put everything into it. So that first week you would sell the million or- Now or, explain front loaded a little bit more. Yeah. So everything, all your marketing money, all your marketing drivers, everything is on that first song, yeah. right? So that you get that thing out there. And, and again, we sold CDs, albums back then, not yeah. singles, yeah, right? right? So that single was what got people to buy the album. I gotcha. Okay, so you didn't buy singles. It wasn't like we were doing little 45s yeah, right, or singles yeah. kind of thing at that point. So you would put 
everything you could into the front of it because again we sold a lot of records those first weeks yeah, in, right. in that format people had to get the right. cd in order to get the single correct because there was no single it was just the whole exactly CD. so so all of a sudden you'd hopefully do you know half a million or seven hundred and fifty thousand records that first week yeah. and then it would exponentially drop right but you got that hit and go through well this was a rock record this was yeah. going to alternative at the time. Right, of course. Cause and so we had to teach the label how to market a rock record. Because they were just doing rap records. Correct. Right? So yeah. they were like, we're going to throw everything. So the first week we, were, we released the album for what it's like, we had maybe 3,000 records sold. But we had the panel of radio stations in front yeah. of us. We're like, okay, listen, we've got to get Detroit. If we get Detroit, that opens up Baltimore. Baltimore is going to oh, open up Boston. Once now, how we did get you to learn Boston, that? How did you know that? About to go that? through by, by you know talking to different from the uh, we had done a bunch of rock records mm-hmm. in the past. That's what we did. The mansion company mainly. that yes, you were that correct. You had signed on yep. to. Yeah, yeah, it was mainly rock. So you know, just knowing that, and and again. Back to relationships. I could pick up a phone and say, hey, listen, this is what I've got going on. What are your thoughts? What are the key stations you think we can get with this? And then there was one in Ohio. They did the the weekly Thursday call with what we're adding as a huge ad yeah. on there. And that's where you had to get to. And once we got that, it clicked. Yeah. And then Atlanta came on. Leslie Fram, who now runs CMT, she was the program manager there. That clicked. And now all of a sudden we're doing all the big festivals. When you say clicked, that means they started playing it on Correct. heavy rotation or something? It, in, in medium rotation. Yeah. That it's like there's something here. Yeah. And, and, and then what we'd call, we got phones. We got feedback. Yeah. So when the song played... People would call into the radio station. Who is that? Can you yeah, play it again? And phones, go through. Yeah. We didn't have Spotify that you just play it at your, your whim, yeah. right? So for those that don't know, I'm just going to kind of throw a little bit of info out there. Light, medium, and heavy rotation. That means that a radio station on light is playing it. Maybe, you know, you've ever been in your car and you hear a song one time and then... Overnight. Over, over you know, like at night or you just hear an answer just every once in a while. Yep. And then medium rotation would be, now correct me if I'm wrong, uh, once or maybe twice a day, maybe once during drive time in the morning and maybe Western in the afternoon or something like that. Now, heavy rotation is one of those where you, you, you go to Walmart and you hear the song in your car, you turn the car off, you go into Walmart, you do your shopping, you come back out, you start the car again, and it's playing again. <laughs> Pretty much so, yeah. yeah. It's a, <laughs> I've, I've heard that before. I mean, it's, it was a long shopping spree, but I'll say that, uh, you know, it, it was that often. Yeah. No, no, that, that's right. And then it goes in and then that's where it kind of just, it, it beats you, it becomes an earworm. Yeah, right. That, that they get you and get after it but yeah so so the everlast project that's where we started right yeah. and then had to like start building him into a, a, a true rock artist versus a hip-hop artist so again getting him in the right festivals and yeah. you know with him i ended up going to i'd say 14 different countries we did you know festivals across the world and, and now this would involve talk, you as a manager talking to promoters like or, or like just yeah just rock promoters calls, just pick up Different, the phone making no, calls but 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 well and then but let's step back for a second on that so on the promotion side on there on the live show you have an agent right so right. we were able to set, sign him to CAA which is one of the biggest agencies in the world yeah. so he has a great agent so now I'm once again as a manager building the team 
Okay, because initially it was with William Morris on the rap side of things. And Kara Lewis was the agent, and she's fantastic, but has no idea about the rock side of things, yeah. you know. And, and again, I'm short-selling her. She probably has good knowledge of it, but yeah. that's not her expertise. So we moved him over to CAA, got him with that, and then got him on all the big festivals. Yeah. So then the people that would question, well, is he a one-hit wonder? Is he a rap artist? Is right. he a rock artist? Well, now all of a sudden he's playing with Pearl Jam. He's playing yeah. with Stone Temple Pilots. And so Pilots now the audience... And- they don't care about that. They just know no. that he's got a single. But the people behind the festivals and things like that, they want to know, is he a one-hit wonder? Is he is he going to, you know, are we – because we're investing uh, Absolutely. capital into having him open up or play or whatever. And we want to know that there's going to be a future there, right? Right. Well, and not turn their, their fans off because right. the festivals are – and I don't mean this as callous as it's going to come across, but the festivals are about their ticket-buying fans, not the artist. Yeah, right. So they want to deliver to their fan base. Same thing right. with rock radio or hip-hop radio or whatever. They're not allegiant to the, the artist. It's yeah. their fans. That That's who pays their bills, right? The fans so what they want to They hear. want to make sure Everlast isn't going to go on and do what it's like, which is the rocket, and yeah. then do 40 minutes of hip-hop. Where yeah, the fans right. are like, That's I don't right. even understand it. Like, what is happening right yeah. now, right? And in today's world, thankfully, it's much different. You know, so people do embrace different genres. But yeah, it was right. so genre-specific back then because people were, you know, they, they listened to their rock station or their mm-hmm. hip-hop. That that radio station was who their identity they was. They expected yeah. a certain sound right. when, from a certain... Uh, yeah. No, that that's exactly right. So, But yeah, so the promoters, they, again, you start building the team, start getting the right people because... Again, going back to, he had one big hit at hip hop. Now he's got a big hit at rock, but we've got to build a career. And as a manager, I got to look at a career because, you know, just one song getting a bunch of spins on there is good, but I got to sell t-shirts. I got to sell tickets. Yeah. So that's the next step there. How do I start building these tickets? How do I start getting? Because, again, he would sell a thousand tickets in the hip hop world, but when we're hitting rock, we're back down to clubs. Yeah. So right. 200 tickets here, 100 tickets there. It's almost like having two, to start over. 100. Way, you know? it, it was very much starting over, yeah. and, which is hard, too, on the ego of an artist that has had a certain level of success. It's a hard sell, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> and then be like, but listen, we're going to get bigger than where you were. So, right. so again, yeah. that, that part of the manager and having your vision is having the confidence of the artist. And again, I put myself out there to be fired because if I don't deliver on what I'm preaching, I'm no good to the artists, right? (laughs) I mean, that's just uh, honestly. Yeah. To them, it's just a big hiccup and and they'll move on from there, right? Yeah. Somebody else will tell them. Advice was take a couple steps back to take a huge leap forward. Absolutely. Let's build a career. Let's build a life for you. And so, so that was my first, uh, yeah, or sorry, it was first probably six. a little long-winded, but no, that's the, okay, yeah. the, that, that was my first artist that I managed and that uh, yeah. I broke. And, uh, you know, we ended up doing, uh, I think, 5 million records, uh, Grammy Awards on it, and then mm-hmm. got him on the Carlos Santana Supernatural uh, record, which ended up sending like 20 million or 30 million records it wow. sold. And his was the lead single off of that. So that took him to a whole nother level. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. So um, you, uh, as you went along, you just sort of obtained, like I was talking about earlier about um, how 
it seems like a, a, a manager is kind of comes from a law background or something like that. Did you just sort of pick up little tidbits? Were you reading books on uh, the the music business law and things like that? Because you oh, really absolutely. have to know. Well, well that's why I referenced uh, Donald Passman's book right, yeah. initially. Yeah. I mean, that's what, you know, I read that uh, back to front. And then, you know, as CDs came out and digital came out, there's do- new variations of the book. Right, yeah, right? These exactly. there. But now I had relationships, Right. Because I I was legitimate that I had an artist that things started to happen. So taking lunches, taking dinners, going and meeting with people like, hey, what's happening? So now I have the in with people that are much more successful than I am. Yeah. And they take me seriously. I'm able to sit down and talk to them. And the Gaio series of the world, you know, was Madonna's manager Mm -hmm. and started uh, her label with her and those kind of things. So. You go to the people that are smarter than you, Keach, and you ask them, what are you doing? And, um, you know, and again, respectfully, with handout and, uh, you know, I'm new in this. I want a career in it. I don't want it to be a two-year thing. And then uh, what do you do next? So uh, I utilize those resources and people I had and uh, and look for a mentor and somebody that, like, look at, I, I, I was smart enough not to know that I couldn't do it, but smart enough to also know to ask for help. Yeah. Right. And so my ego was such that I want success. I believe that I deserved it yeah. and, and that, but enough. And I give that um, credit to my parents for keeping me in line a little bit. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. But but also realize that there's a lot of smarter people yeah. than me. So if I can get a little bit of their time, get a little bit of knowledge from them, yeah. hopefully it uh, it worked. And I guess uh, I did bump my head twice or, or three times. It made sense. So yeah. uh, There was a line in a movie that Gene Hackman said one time. He said, I try to imagine a guy smarter than me. And I say, think, what would he do? And then I always thought that always yeah. stuck with me. You know? Yeah, no, no, it's right. But So you kind of have a rapport with drummers, I will say, because you, not only you and I are sitting here talking, but you have managed Fleetwood Mac and Tommy Lee before. Those are both drummers. Well, and I mean, uh, Matt Sorum from uh, and, the Guns N' Roses Velvet oh, that Revolver right? yeah. that okay. he was in with uh, um, on that. Yes, so uh, for some reason, we... Uh, <laughs> We are laden with drummers. Yeah, right, yeah. And you're a good, you're a good drummer manager. So, <laughs> so any any famous drummers out there need a manager? Corey Wagner <laughs> is the man. He has more drummer experience than anybody. Yeah, it's it's funny, it, 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 uh, but not planned. But yeah, right. uh, it just happens. Just, yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. So, um, I'm, I'm lucky. You're still working with Mick Fleetwood quite a bit. So yeah, he we, yeah he's still part of the company. I've been yep. there forever, and you know, um, unfortunately, having you know lost Christine. Um, yeah. This past year, so I'm not so sure what uh, will come from Fleetwood Mac, but uh, Mick is always busy. He's always out doing his thing, and you know we'll build a little all star band. What is he doing? Is is he doing like playing or thing, or is he he speaking? Or yeah, he does. uh, um, He's got a restaurant. uh, Fleetwood's on Front Street in Maui, um, so I encourage anybody that makes the trip over there to uh, get yourself a nice meal and sunset uh, musicians. And uh, periodically, Mick shows up on the uh, the upstairs patio and uh, plays a little bit with some of his friends there oh that's so great um but uh we launched a coffee line with him this year there's uh, um uh, a gin line that we're wait in... mick fleetwood has coffee mm-hmm. that's right he's <laughs> an entrepreneur no we just launched it's about uh i'm gonna say six months wow. uh since we launched and i, I think uh, hopefully i'm not jinxing us that uh, i think we're just finishing up the deal with kroger so it'll start to show up really? in because uh, re- initially it was just online you know what i mean it was a program that we pushed on that but makes a lover of foods of wines yeah. of all things nice and wonderful and, and hawaii uh, is the coffee it makes place, right? right yep 
Absolutely, yeah. and uh, and it's something that he enjoys. You know, yeah. he, with his um, his little Stella the pig, he's got a massive pig on his farm that uh, is part of his uh, massive and, pig. Yeah, you'll see him walking or with a leash. Oh, like and, a real pig. Yeah. Like, oh no, oh, no, okay, uh, like a pet. Okay. Yeah, yeah, real pig. <laughs> uh, he'll be walking around Maui with his pig I on just a leash. Can't picture that. Yeah. Maybe I can't. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Fleetwood with a leash and a pig. Pig on but, a leash. But yeah, he has that entrepreneurial spirit always. Okay, so yeah. um, you know, but uh, he'll always be doing you know different things and. Uh, there's rumors he and Lindsay are talking about uh, maybe a project, and you yeah. just never know. So now Fleetwood Mac has a different manager, right? Or, or they all do. Yes. Okay. Uh, so we do now. Carl Stubner, the chairman, is the manager of that band, right? Okay. Just to be clear. So uh, again, Fleetwood I've, Mac, the band, uh, and then now, yes. Yeah. But back in the day. Each individual member had their own manager. Right. So it was a nightmare. You know, it's very that, difficult. Yeah. Everybody had their well, own. Well, Mick Fleetwood was managing Fleetwood Mac in their heyday, like in the 70s. He uh, did, yes. 70s. Mm-hmm. He was their manager. Yep. And they would always come to him for things, you know. Yeah, yeah but back then there was two Fleetwood Macs even touring. It was so crazy. That. Yeah. yeah that. Because, again, there was no cell phone, so you couldn't really call people out why it was happening. Right, yeah. I, re- I, yeah. I listened to Mick so, Fleetwood's audiobook. Yeah, no, it has a crazy, I mean, if you go into the Fleetwood Mac side of thing, I mean, when it started, Peter Green was the lead singer, yeah, right. and it was a blues yeah. band. They outsold <laughs> Beatles and Rolling Stones yeah, in 69, crazy? okay, on that. But Peter ate too much acid and ended up having a nervous breakdown and ended up shooting at his accountant who was trying to deliver royalties oh, God. to him. Wow. And it was like, That's it's weird. evil, it's bad, this is caused, and, and the poor wow. guy, and, and Mick, to his credit, has stuck with him. He's done tributes to him, mm-hmm. you know, so that they help him out financially and those yeah. sides of things. So when he left, then there was two new members that came in, and they landed in the United States. They were getting ready to start the tour, and Jeremy, who's the, one of the new guys that started, guitar players, he joined the cult children of the god then that night they were supposed to have a show and they couldn't find the guy and he took off with children of the god Uh, the 70s yeah exactly (laughs) so uh, so again it's uh you know fleetwood mac now with the lineup i do remember hearing that peter green was the one that coined the phrase fleetwood mac he was saying you know in the studio when they were uh laying down the rhythm tracks he would say hey that's fleetwood mac because mick fleetwood and john John mcvee correct bass and drums Mm -hmm. were the backbone of all their songs and not just fleetwood i mean this was before Fleetwood Mac that they were like a they would record for other people too like session musicians yeah. and and it was that a team of bass and drums team that he coined the phrase Fleetwood Mac oh that's Fleetwood Mac right there yeah yeah, yeah. but and then remember it was a blues band back yeah, there it was a blues so, band. so that yeah. pocket is so important right, to, to that yeah. music right and yeah. to go through but absolutely absolutely yeah that's wild, man. And so, um, shifting gears to Tommy Lee, you've been managing Tommy Lee for a while? Yeah, well, I worked with Tommy directly. Um, so that was, gosh, maybe six or seven years with him. Yeah. Um, and uh, we got him fresh out of prison, <laughs> to be honest <laughs> wow. with you. Um, yeah. But one of the most charming, sweetest guys out there. He's Tommy, don't get me wrong. It's, uh, he is who you think he is. Yeah, right? he's a rock star. And out there, without a doubt. <laughs> um, but, you know, we... I got his book done, um, Tommyland. We, you know, talked all about that side of things. We had a. His... Now, when you say you got his book done, you 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 um, uh, made that happen. Correct. Or, or... Yep, tied him in. We we wow. got the book deal done. You know, here's we pitched it. We got the uh, agreement done. Then found Anthony Boza, who was the author, uh, the co-writer with him. Right. Uh, Anthony's an incredibly talented guy. He's done so many big um, rock books, but. Yeah. 
he goes into character, Anthony does, uh -huh. which he tried to keep up with Tommy, and that's no easy feat. Um, right. Okay, so without um, disclosing too many <laughs> <laughs> things, there's a lot of wild nights, evenings, oh and uh, long days on that side of things. Yeah. But, um, you know, it, it, it turned out to be a New York Times bestseller and went out there, and then, you know, his, his solo band, you know, they put out and start working and going through. But ultimately, we had to let Tommy go um, for his own well-being. Motley Crue was trying to get back together. Tommy yeah, right. was like, I'm not going back into that band. I yeah. am done with it. I've done. And we sat down with them and explained, like, listen, this is legacy time. Yeah. Okay. Right. We don't participate in it. We didn't make money off yeah. of it because another manager managed Motley Crue. But once again, in my heart, if I'm working with an artist, I've got to do what's best for the artist. Sure, yeah. And Tommy going back into that band was so important. Yeah. And the right decision, and I would have to literally like drag him out of his house, put him in my car, and take him to the photo shoots. <laughs> and he's like, no, I don't want to do it, and go yeah. through. And, a lot of bad and, blood right. in the past. And, and, like and, and yeah. now everything is great. You see, this is, I mean, they're playing stadiums now, yeah. right? And going through, and and um, it's funny, because I connected with him, it'd been a minute, and uh, you know, he was just saying how much he appreciated all that, and being real people to him, and not just a money manager, yeah. that like, look at I can grind him because you can always make money with Tommy. Yeah, you know we right. did a jean line, we did a tattoo line. We I, I started his DJ business with him, right? I'm at What's his the house. DJ business. I was at his house one night, uh, one day, and and it is the Pamela Anderson house that everybody heard about and dreamed <laughs> about. But uh, you know, with fuzzy walls and the sex swing in it and all that kind of craziness. But he had a great studio there, yeah. and I was waiting for him. And Tommy was I whatever on a call or doing something, and I just hit play on what was up on the studio, and it's a mm -ts, mm -ts, mm -ts, all yeah. this like dance music. I'm like, right. oh my god! I'm like, dude, what the hell is this? He goes, oh, I got a, a million of these. I'm like, what? He goes, I'm a drummer. It's just natural. Like, these yeah. are beats. This yeah. is, you know, so I, I am always fascinated, and I like that dance music. So it didn't have any vocals. It just... No, just music, tracks. Just dance music, yeah. And I was talking to him, and I'm like, oh, my God. And this was before he went back to, to Motley, okay? Yeah, right. So we're, we're going back a little bit in time. But I was like, wait a minute. This is something we could maybe make some money yeah. on. And, and that's and the manager in you coming correct. out and looking for an opportunity. So all of a sudden I see, but I knew that he wouldn't have been taken seriously as a DJ. It would have been like one of those celebrity things and Tommy. So there was a guy, DJ Arrow, that we knew and Tommy knew. And he was a legitimate uh, DJ in the, the right. South. So he had a name. Say, so, oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And then small, but not massive. But he was legitimate. People knew this guy and yeah. respected him and, right. and his beat. So we got Arrow and Tommy together. And they said, what I started with, though, was I'd have Tommy play just a small drum kit that had triggers. Yeah. So it would make sense. And people would be like, oh, okay, because everybody wants to see Tommy drum. Right. Not yeah. behind a deck and like right. mixing, Spinning right? So we started that way and we did like the the um, the White Festival, which is down in Miami that, you know, has like a million DJs. You know, you try to go to bed at six o'clock in the morning and they're starting up again, you know, yeah. kind of craziness. But we started there. And then all of a sudden it turned into viable business. Yeah. And people, so wow. we slowly took the drum set away and then Tommy just was like up there and is a viable DJ. And he, you know, oh. when he's not touring, he's doing, you know, 20, 40 shows all across the world. And we did a residency in Ibiza, as they wow. say, and, That's you know, amazing. the party I capital and that. stuff. So, uh, but it turned into a real viable business for him. And then wow. the great part is in the DJ thing, it's two guys in a box of records. 
Wow. Uh, you don't have trucks and right. buses <laughs> and true. you know that the whole production side of is thing. pretty low on right. that. Right. And what you do is when you book those shows, it's two first class tickets, you know, or three yeah. because you have one tech that's kind of helping them run through. They pay for all the hotels. They give yeah. you a little bit of money for uh, uh, living out there. Yeah. And uh, hey, wasn't Travis Barker doing that too? Yeah. Like with a DJ yeah. him and, and that's when that plane Correct. when the plane crash or whatever. Correct. Yeah. Well, he was with his DJ. I that's, think I thought yes. I heard. Yeah. Yep. Wow. But it's a natural... I mean, you're a drummer. You can imagine you, you my, my wheels turning right, right now you understand me as a drummer. The beats, right, but you understand how it would make I sense. I totally do that. Yeah. Okay, so stay tuned for the Keach Rainwater DJ <laughs> tour coming up. <laughs> wow. I'm so glad I got you as a manager. Yeah. You're going to have to manage me separate. Done. Come on. Star. Let's go. <laughs> well, cool. So I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, the changes in the music business and the things that you've seen and the things that where you think it's going and all that, because it just like... It's almost to me. It almost changes on a daily basis. You know, no, it exponentially changes as we move along. Absolutely, and now with AI, it's exactly. come to a whole nother. But right. yeah, I mean, I, if I can just step back, I mean, it started and and we go started with records, right? So yeah. vinyl, yeah, vinyl, and then it went to eight tracks, right? right? Uh-huh. And then, and I wasn't managing back then, by the way. Okay, so just to <laughs> want to make sure to note, eight tracks are not me. Uh, but then went to cassettes, right? Yeah, right. And then all of a sudden, CDs happened. Well, the quality, right. like in CDC, cassettes were better because they were smaller. Because yeah. the eight track was a big clunky kind of thing, right? Yeah. So the cassette, it was just smaller and easier to carry. So and you they could sounded have more terrible because car. nobody complained that oh. you did a mixtape on a cassette. No, you know? absolutely, yeah. right. So, but then it went to CDs. Yeah. Well, the quality now yeah. turned incredible, yeah. right? So, but also the record labels realized wow, we can sell the whole catalog all over again. So everybody that bought a cassette or bought, they now have CD players. Yeah, right. So the CDs were cheap to manufacture. So yeah. it was like, you know, 90 cents. And it would be like a remaster type thing. Absolutely. They would take the originals and remaster them. Correct. And, and the them. labels making, like, profiting $10 a unit. Right. But so no think production cost. Correct. It's just manufacturing. And yeah. they own the manufacturing oh, plants, right? right? So true. so at any rate, so, so I won't get into the manufacturing and that side, <laughs> but, but it goes to... CDs. Well, then all of a sudden, this Napster shit yeah. crept up. Pardon yeah. me for the language, but this <laughs> Napster all of a sudden popped in, and it's like, yeah. wait a minute, you're going to share these files, yeah. and nobody they sound gonna... as good as a CD. Absolutely, yeah. it took you a while to download them because we yeah, didn't have the bandwidth. The, yeah, yeah, the AOL, uh, you know. I mean, I heard about how slow in. it was. Exactly. I never really knew. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but so so you know that was a thing for a minute, and people were like, "Oh God, what do we do? How do we control yeah. this? What happens?" And even like Metallica refused to allow it to happen. Yeah, right. But the genie was already out of the bottle. Yeah, right. right. So this is just going to get better and continue to go and continue and to then happen. YouTube came along, and, and then, then all of a sudden now you can just listen to songs and then on Spotify, yes. and then now right. the DSPs that are out there. Okay, so those all happened, and now it's a digital way. But what also happened is now it's become back to the fifties, where it's a single based business. Yeah, it's not an album true. that you're selling. So fans and kids are fans of songs versus bands. The whole album and, and, and the whole band. Yeah, right. I see. What and, you mean. And, and you know, in the live environment, they'll, they'll uh, dive in and they'll be yeah. part of it. But when you're talking about how you listen to it and, and what you go through, yeah. right? So now it was a streaming thing. So, okay. Yeah. So, you know, in MySpace and Facebook and all those things started that side of things. But how do we get kids to stream? Who's getting paid for this? Right. How does that? And then you know, all these lawsuits because the labels and, and you know, the streamers are like, yeah. oh, we'll pay you two cents on every stream. The writers weren't getting paid, so right. all that kind of came around and is happening. But now all of a sudden, 
You got to be a TikTok star. Yeah, right. You got it, which is, I hate it worse than anything. Yeah. Well, like you said uh, earlier, like just a minute ago, you said that they, they, they're fans of songs and not the artist. So the TikTok thing to me is just kind of a way to, to bring a visual aspect to it, to where you, I want to know what this person looks like. Or they don't really even want to know, but there it is. There's what the person yeah. oh, looks no. like. You now, know? listen, with and social now media, you know like. yeah, unfortunately, you know, you know what they had for breakfast, you know yeah. what kind of shoes they're wearing, <laughs> you know what kind of uh, yeah, you you know, follow fuel they put in the corner. Yeah. No, because that's what everybody's making it happen. And and I think we're losing a lot of artistry on that because yeah. I hate it. I mean, when I sit down and listen, I mean, you know, you guys are like, oh, God, please don't make us do TikTok, you know. <laughs> and, and we're fortunate because Lone Star's got 10 number one hits. They've got a catalog. But if you're a new person trying to break through, how do you break through? This is where kids are discovering. Yeah. You know, YouTube is where they're discovering. And it's all video. People are listening to music with their eyes yeah, a right. lot of times, okay? Yeah. But it's also destroying the artistry because people aren't built for that. Like, yeah. you know, artists are a special breed of people. They feel things more and deeper. That's what enables them, in my opinion, to bring this art. You know, what we all feel and think, they can bring it into a medium that, that makes sense yeah. and that connects with you. That's the magic and beauty of uh, an art, yeah. uh, of music, right? So you get, but now I'm like, well, who cares about that stuff? Show everybody what you had. To, can you do this dance? Yeah, then show right. Make people laugh. Be a trained monkey. Show them your new car that you just right. bought. <laughs> that, that goes through. And listen, it's a great revenue source for some yeah. people. And and if that's what you want to do, but but again, it makes it not about the music. But now, right, one hundred percent. But yeah. now some of the labels are like, okay, well, let's not look at um, the the TikTok side of things. I'm hearing this is what's going on. So it's constantly changing. And you know what we talk about in our company and I mean is. Find great music. Yeah. Find great artists. We'll figure out how to break them through and to go out and to make that side of things happen now because it does change every single time. Yeah. And it, it's soul crushing to artists like, okay, great, we got to, you know, a million TikTok followers. Well, that doesn't matter anymore. Now we're going to this. And <laughs> yeah. it's gonna continue to change. Yeah. And now it's even gone such as, you know, AI, it's like, well, give me a lone star song with a little bit of Drake in it and some Bon Jovi. Yeah. You know, and that song comes, comes about. up that sounds like that. Right. And wow. it's like but and now the labels that everybody are suing because it's like proprietary, you know, yeah, um, right. intellectual properties. It's a crazy business. I, and and I think that's what was to be tough about a young person trying to get into management right now is this having to learn all the history of things and where it came from and where it is now and where it might be going, you know, because but that's see, where the value is. But they've also grown up with this stuff where I, as a, true, a, yeah. an analog gentleman in a digital world, I've got to learn, you know, and thank goodness I have teenage daughters. Okay. So, yeah, right. you know, they can walk me through and see, but they've grown up with this stuff. And don't you see, think they you know, have, the, because I have a teenage daughter as well. She's 17. Don't you think they kind of have the weirdest taste in music? Is it just me or no, my it, daughter? It's all over the place. It's yeah. strange. Nope. Like the stuff that I was listening, we were driving somewhere. We had a, uh, we were, I was taking her to New York City from Toronto to New York City and back. And there was a lot of drive time and she had her playlist on, yeah. on her Spotify and just the weirdest stuff. I mean, it, it would be like the Eurythmics and then it would be somebody I'd never heard of. It sounds like they recorded it in GarageBand. Yeah. I mean, the weirdest yep. stuff. Lots of reverb and weird things. Do you think that um, songs are 
going to start getting shorter because of people's attention spans because of the whole TikTok thing and well, the whole, some of it if you yeah. look at it uh, there, there's definitely a trend aren't they kind of shrinking a little yeah, bit like there's a trend to that two minute but, songs and yeah I mean the, the two and we go back now because yeah. the attention span is sh- so short it, yeah. normally it was like look at the first minute we got to have that hook we yeah. got to have you know well, something like that could, one of the early Elvis songs in the 1950s was only a couple of minutes yeah. right I mean, no, no, that, but but that's and yeah. it seems like we go back and repeat history. But but yeah. now I want that hook to be like the first thirty, you know, thirteen seconds, right? Yeah. Because it's I ah, know I don't like this next, and then because exactly. that swipe happens They're really sort of fast these guys, Songs right? Are more disposable now, and to go through. But uh, but yeah, and then listen, a lot of that was uh, the song length that is the singles and stuff were based on radio because. Uh, not to break everybody's heart, but radio are not in the music business. They're in the advertising business. That's true. Yeah. So the less amount of time the song is, the more amount of airtime they can sell and make money. Exactly. Right. Okay, so that was the other thing. And, you know, people would be like, what, a nine-minute Leonard Skinner song? What yeah. the heck? You know, that, that yeah. takes, I could have sold, you know, $100,000 worth of uh, advertising. And, right. and again, that's what management numbers, not actual, factual. Um, but, uh, but you know, that that's the other part. And unfortunately... It, uh, it reflects on the art, yeah. you know, when somebody is sitting there trying to uh, uh, fit it into that one funnel yeah. uh, to go through. I remember years ago you were talking to me about a project we were working on together or something, and you were talking about packaging. And that's one thing that I find that your skill and your talent is really good with packaging, coming up with, with – uh, not only just touring, but also CD things and um, just been able to uh, put together a package. Is is that something you learned or is that something that well, you I, just naturally do? It, it, I think it's something that, it, it, again, we all have our gifts a little bit. I understand like how to get people's eye. I understand what's attractive, what's, you know, people kind of glean to. But I, again, I do have a degree in marketing. So it was yeah. part oh. of... Um, you know, a, a learned process and to go through. And, you know, I, I, I'm fortunate enough that certain things make sense logically to me. Like, look at it, if we're, I'm putting an album, you know, and we're selling vinyl, just say, yeah. that name's got to be above the little marker where it gets buried in, right? Yeah, so right. people can see it. Or, you know, sending that same message or what's going to make it stand out from a different, that, that isn't what everybody else has yeah. that, that's going through. And, um, but yeah, it's, uh, I mean, that's the fun part for me. That's where I can get creative. Right. Yeah. And that's where right. I am able to, I can't write a song. I can't play an instrument. My parents gave me every opportunity. It just, <laughs> uh, I feel it in my heart and then, you know, songs will make me cry, make me depressed, make me happy, may, you know, whatever I want to feel at that yeah. time, I get it. But just from the brain to the fingers, it just never yeah. decided to, uh, connect the dots on it. Were so. you always kind of attracted to the music business a little bit? Oh, or absolutely. Is that just something you fell into? No, listen, I, I mean, and, and I, I have the weirdest um, playlist. You know, I'll have Vivaldi Four Seasons on. I'll have like a heavy metal song. I'll have a Lone Star song. Yeah. I'll have, you know, a, a pop song. If, yeah. And uh, if it touches me and speaks to me, that that's the magic. I also love visual arts. Like, uh-huh. and so when I was out with Tommy Lee and they're all going to strip joints and partying, you know, I was at the museums and going uh-huh. and seeing the Van Goghs, seeing, you know what I mean? Yeah. So those things, if... If you don't see, if I don't have something going on, there's a pretty good chance I'm rolling around like an art gallery or a museum yeah. or, you know, and then adding to my Things collection. Things that inspire and, you. And, yeah, just yeah. make me think yeah. or ask questions. Yeah. Like that's, um, you know, that that's why the art, we have to have it, especially music. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, in, and especially a drummer. I mean, just your heartbeat yeah. is right. musical. You're, you know or, what I mean? Yeah. That, that, that all connects with it. And without music, I... I it, 
God, I can't imagine yeah. what life would be like, but but we need that to feed our soul and then Absolutely. just to, to live, in, in my opinion. And yeah. it, it's whether it's just a, you know, tribal beat or, you know, something uh, symphonic, you know, 800-piece yeah. uh, orchestra kind of thing, it all touches people. And to yeah. me, that was really important to me and, and to be able to be part of that and going back to, as I said, like, yeah. you know, the, when we started this podcast at the woman called and said her husband her son doesn't have any you know musical talents necessarily yeah. i am her son you yeah. know many years later with it because i don't have those talent but man to be with these creative people to be able to bring those gifts yeah. to the masses is and the, an and honor it's, it's interesting that a lot of musicians they don't possess these skills that you're talking about the the talent to uh, make these relationships and things like that. They're just musicians. They just want to make the art. They want to go in the studio and they want to create the thing. They need people like you to put together the whole program and to, to do all the ancillary things that have to happen, legal things and all that. And that's why so many artists have gotten screwed in the past um, with contracts that they signed that were just bogus contracts. They didn't have somebody like you, an entertainment attorney or a manager, to read through the fine print and say, oh, wait a minute, what's this line down here that right. says, I own all your publishing? <laughs> or though, back in the day, having a manager who's desires were more important about their success than the artists right and, yeah. and you look and look at you could argue with with elvis with the colonel yeah right the colonel owned the publishing yeah the colonel took care of his passport so he couldn't tour and yeah. go out there and there's other artists the same thing that the, the manager did better than the uh yeah. the acts yeah that were out there so you know but but that's any business right, yeah, that, right. That there's the good the bad but but there are plenty of, of really smart... I mean, if you look at Sammy Hagar, yeah, right? So Sammy Hagar was a solo artist back in the day. Yeah. Then he joined Van Halen, right. right? Took it to a whole nother level. Well, he's made more money with his Cabo Wabo line, which is a tequila line right. and a, you know, um, beach destination And he sells bar. merch and t-shirts and everything so, else. Yeah, oh, right. He sold yeah. Cabo Wabo for $100 million. Whoa. Okay, so he's a brilliant businessman, and that works. But you need the manager, in my opinion, so you can be the artist. Right. Because if you're doing the business side of things, it takes away from your time where you can be creative. It takes yeah. away mm -hmm. from that energy and being also very vulnerable as an artist. So I wouldn't say there aren't artists that don't have those skills, but I do think it's important that you have a manager that allows you to be the artist right. yeah. so that you can open yeah. up and, and be that vulnerable person to, to yeah. you know, allow that art to come out. How would you say the percentage of uh, ideas that you come up with, that you dream up versus the ideas that the artist dreams up, uh, say if an artist has an idea for something, hey, I get this idea for this project, whatever, and brings it to you and you make it happen versus the ideas that you come up with and say, hey, you pitch it to them and say, what would you say percentage? Is it 50-50 or is it more you or is it more them? It it depends on the artist. I have some yeah. artists that are, because you know, you have one of your bandmates that's very interested in this mm -hmm. stuff. It'll bring a, a bunch of ideas, right? right? And and the same thing, but I have to bring as many or as the artist does, right? Yeah, or right. come through. And listen, probably 65% of my ideas are terrible, right? But but that allows the other artist that I'm working to say, oh, wait a minute, but if we do it this way, yeah. that makes sense. So 
my idea is always that bring everything to the table, discuss yeah. it, because let's see how it fits or how it works. Because again, certain things will work with artist A, but not with Lone Star. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. Because I it's you. a different fan base, right? Mm-hmm. So our fan base is X, Y, Z. It's this amount of female, this amount of male, this age bracket, and what's out there. This is where they live, you know? So a lot yeah. of our platforms on Facebook, because that's where a lot of our fans populate and are yeah. there. Where another younger artist, it may be Instagram or, you know, another version so so again we have to have ideas that that's what we do you know and same thing yeah. like hey tommy what about a tattoo line what about a tattoo parlor yeah. what about a g no i don't like that but what about and all of a sudden yeah. it's like well great wallet chains that and then again terrible example <laughs> but you understand how it goes so yeah right. i love and i have some artists that are like just figure it out and tell us I see. Yeah, they, I we just you. want to write music. We just yeah. want to be on on stage, right, yeah. and to go through. So I don't know that I could put an exact percentage, yeah. you know, on, on Each what it is. Each one's different. Yeah, yeah. depending and, on the creativity and the... and how much they want to be in the business side yeah, or right. not. Yeah, on that. I know Mick Fleetwood is a huge business. I mean, yeah, huge business guy. Yeah, I mean, he, he's always uh, he's always been the businessman. Always, and there are a lot of no's because some of the uh, ideas just don't. Uh, they look good on paper. Yeah, right. right. But then when you and, and look at, we're all guilty of that too, right? But and he's getting older, so he may not have the energy that? to do certain things. Oh you gosh, know, his energy is be, uh, for <laughs> that has not waned just yet. Wow, so. that is amazing. God. I, that's my goal to be to yeah. be like at, at his age to be like Mick Fleetwood to yeah. have his energy and his oh my god so um, I'm curious what what would be a sort of a day to day day a a day in the life of what you do you know you obviously you come into your office and kind well, of explain starts, your yeah, through starts the day. before that though because right. I'll do because um, we're in Central Time being right. based in Nashville right so right. Um, you know a lot of times it'll start with calls overseas. You know, trying to catch people before they shut down and go down. It's a lot easier now with emails, right? But, uh, you know, back in the day. But, yeah, so I usually start that way and work my way to the uh, uh, left coast, right? So, you know, we'll start rolling those calls. First thing I did is get up and... uh, um, walk my dog but yeah, right. uh and leave my phone at home and gather like my thoughts earlier because of those calls oh, about or, six or, oh yeah, right, yeah. about six six thirty that's happening and just i don't bring my phone i clear my thoughts and i get my day planned Good. right so, okay so this is what i had oh god i forgot to do this yesterday this yeah. is priority and then just collect and then then i start then i'll start rolling emails or phone calls that i gotta get in, in touch people yep yeah. absolutely and then you know get myself into the office and then you know it just depends each day is different because we've got an office now of what 15 managers LA New York um, Los Angeles and we've got a, a guy and this over is Shirtone right is this still Shirtone no, no this, we're Shelter Music Group Shelter Music Group yeah. I know it has changed names over the, over yes. the years yeah, yeah, no, no. <laughs> hard time well because we try names. to we try to bundle with film and television people right, absolutely or other ways to exploit our music and to, to partner yeah. okay to go through it but uh, but yeah so then it, it could be either one of two, if we're starting off a tour then it's sitting down going through the dates making sure logistics reading contracts for you know uh, shows that have come in, putting out fires. Okay, that, yeah, I was uh, going to ask you what the awning blew of off. Out fires the, yeah, versus the awning blew the off the uh, <laughs> uh, bus. We need yeah. a new bus driver, or right. you know, whatever it is that goes on that's finding. Or you know, sometimes that there's an internal battle uh, with something yeah. like, look, at, let's sit down and talk about this and and go through it, and then also helping other. Like, okay, great, we've got this tour going on, and coordinating with my other team members within the company. Like, how can I latch? 
Lone Star onto that that makes sense? Or, yeah. you know, how do we go through? And then there's the, the creative side that, uh, you know, okay, we're getting ready to launch a tour. This is what our screens are going to roll out looking like. This is what some of the content, oh, but let's make sure we've got a QR code on there so people can buy things, you know, and, yeah. uh, and to go through. So that, And every day is different, yeah. you know, and it depends what cycle what band is in or, you know, because... It's. I love the Lone Star business because every year we're busy, right? Yeah. We're starting new things and we're starting new ideas, and you know, we've talked to about you know what music we're doing or not doing. Some bands take two years off yeah. between, or we're just going in the creative side and to go through. But that's where it's challenging because we have to keep them in the eye of the uh, uh, fans right. yeah. so what do we do in the meantime with that so they, they don't just fl- fade off into oblivion. absolutely yeah. they, they, because look at everybody's got short attention span so what they don't say oh i wonder what I, my favorite band's doing these days you know yeah. so right. how do i fit then we get into socials and to go through yeah. or let's do a merch drop or you know there's an anniversary of this let's uh go that way so yeah so each day is different. And then, you know, at the end of the day, I try to get out of here about 6, 6.30. Then I go get something to eat. And then uh, I'll do, uh, you know, West Coast calls until like 7, 8 o'clock sometimes. And yeah. uh, then wow. it's like, okay, time. And then the other part that's strange, and then my kids laugh because, you know, a lot of their parents are doctors or lawyers or, you know, that's mm-hmm. – then I got to go out and catch shows right. or cover or a show that's happening that, or go yeah. have dinner. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. that's our Knights of Columbus. That's our – you know, and again, those are the times where I'm networking to find the next smartest person, yeah. right, or yeah. to figure out like, oh, this isn't happening or, you know, how come I can't get Spotify to play this? Well, now I've got dinner with somebody at Spotify. I can yeah. at least get an honest answer, you know yeah. what I mean to go through and, and so it just never stops. So nah, it's a <laughs> it, it's a weird business we're in. I mean, yeah. honestly, it it does, and you know that's the other thing. And then you're out on the road with your artist, and you know at a show until two o'clock, you know. But I still have to get up at that seven o'clock to work the other calls yeah. and the business side of things. So it's not for the faint of heart. Our business, uh, and it's funny because I see a lot of the younger artists um, or managers. Pardon, oh, I yeah. said artists. Mm-hmm. I see some of them. They're like, yeah, I'm tired. It's time for me to shut down. I got a kid, you know, and I'm like, okay, hang on. You got the old codgers like us that are still rolling and going yeah. through, and and you know, it's it's a different world that, yeah. that we live in. So, um, you know, a lot of times my kids are like, so what's going? on? I'm leaving. It's nine o'clock, yeah. and they're like, I'll be I'll be home at one. And they're like, you get home after we do. <laughs> like, what is that about? So, right, yeah, wow, well. Man, it was great talking to you, and I've learned so much. I always learn so much when I do these podcasts. Well, listen, you don't even have to bring a microphone in. You're welcome anytime, Keith. You've been our manager for, you've been Lone Star's manager for over, I want to say 20, almost 20 years. For a long time. Yeah, it's been a minute. (laughs) So I'm not that old, but. uh, 12 or 11, uh, 11 or 12. It's over 20 years, right? Yeah. Oh my God! Yeah, so, what is the time? No, it's, I think thirteen. No, no. 13, if we do eleven or twelve, yeah, yeah. That's so, right. Yeah. I think uh, I think it was twenty ten. So twenty years. Yeah, yeah. Twenty. Yeah. Thirteen years. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Where does the time go? And so, well, <laughs> please. And, and uh, I'm learning more about you than I never knew. You know? Yeah. Listen, that's uh, that's because I'm stuck here trying to get business done I know, for you. Right? I love it that you know when we're <laughs> we play on the weekends and we come back in on like Sunday or Monday and we have the rest of the week off. But you're here every every damn day. Absolutely. Just Happily. Away. Yeah. Happily. Thank you. I appreciate your work and your honesty and your uh, creativity and everything. It's been. It's been, uh, listen, it's been my honor. Okay, yeah. it's a uh, band uh, uh, that success, and uh, and I, I do have to say, and this isn't just because Keith is sitting across from me, but great guys to work with. 
that that makes things a lot different uh, yeah. okay so when you have a really good team and good people at the end of the day I don't want to let anybody down yeah and that's I'm harder on me than I will be on anybody else because when I've got a good group of people like this the, the last thing I can do it would break my heart yeah if right. I didn't do a good job for everybody so but you, you do a great job and you've done a great job for so many years and I hope we can continue on and many on more and to on come we're just starting my <laughs> we're just getting started <laughs> yeah people ask me uh, how long are you going to play drums you're never going to retire and I'm like I will play drums even if you have to duct tape the sticks <laughs> to my hands and, and I can still physically hit the drums I'll be playing perfect well thank goodness <laughs> thank you and, well, and thanks for having Mick me Fleetwood is be playing. <laughs> yeah exactly but but again Kichi means a lot to me that you would bring me in and uh, Absolutely. have me be part I've of been this. Trying for so long, and I finally, I finally got a break in your schedule. I have to come in here. Well, uh, this has been Keith Rainwater and Corey Wagner on Designated Drummer, and we'll see you next time. Cheers.